Tell me. I forget. Teach me. I may remember. Involve me. And I learn. Benjamin Franklin. God has been orchestrating our understanding to position us, the body of Christ, to live on the other side of the veil. We are to outwork heaven and release it here on the earth. Amen. Our goal while on the earth is to transcend our illusions and discover the innate power of our spirit. We are responsible for what we create, and we must therefore learn to act and think with love and wisdom and live in service to others and all life. That's a quote by Caroline Miss. I have a couple questions to ask you. What is the origin of a prophetic word? Let me give you the description of a prophetic word. It's when God's Spirit speaks through somebody else and He gives you a glimpse into your future or into your now. It is a means to encourage you. The word calls you into your destiny. A prophetic word gives you a sense of what and where that destiny is and where it lies. It may also give you practical steps on how to get there. It gives you hope that lifts you towards your tomorrows. Another question. Is there a responsibility for the recipient to bring the prophetic word to pass? An arrow is never afraid of shooting from the bow, but it is afraid of not reaching the target. Mehmet Marat Ildan. <laughs> Welcome! To Intentional Now podcast where I got you thinking good. An engaging workshop, discussion on change and purpose, and redefining what we say yes to. Hi, I am your host. I'm Kristen Wombeck. I'm a spiritual entrepreneur. I am just chasing the boldest dreams. I'm doing the work. I'm asking really good questions, and we are getting life done. Done? Yes, the life we are meant to live. So let's do this. You ready? Got your headphones on? Good. I am too. So today's takeaways are affirming our responsibilities, acts of service, testimonies of faith to teach us and challenge us, protocols and activations. And today we're picking up from chapter 14, Tools of Responsibility from the Unfinished Book. If you would hit the mark at long range, you must aim a little above it. Every arrow that flies feels like the pull of the earth. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Let me say that again. If you would hit the mark at a long range, You must aim a little above. Every arrow that flies feels the pull of the earth. That's good, isn't it? 
That's really good. Hmm. <laughs> How are you today? Are you doing well? I'm good. I'm always excited to come and talk to you. I put all my notes, my thoughts together and just culminate the week and I sit down and just look forward to talking to you and I can just feel like everybody's ears and hearts just takes this moment on a Thursday evening, sometimes a Friday, but mostly it's a Thursday evening. And we just sit down and we just focus together to learn, to hear, to help each other, to encourage each other, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And hey, welcome to my new listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a really good time. <laughs> okay, so today, let me just put it a little bit of framework here. We're going to talk about protocols. All right, I'm looking here in my notes. I went too far. I was supposed to read there. Ha-ha! I almost jumped ahead. Heavens to Murgatroyd. I should jump ahead. Oh, okay. I almost did. I went, no, I'm not supposed to go there yet. So here we are. So I am going to read a small section from the unfinished book. Yes, we have been traveling through this. We are in chapter 14. Can you believe it? Oh, my goodness. I better get my other project done. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Are you ready for it? Yeah, so am I. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> Shh, mom's the word. All right. So I am, for those of you who got your um, book, your paperback, your hardback, you can turn to page 180 and uh, follow along because it's fun to follow along. Okay. And I am reading in Tools of Responsibility. Okay. <sighs> I know. I always do a great big breathe, don't I? Maybe you do too. It's kind of like, oh, okay, we're finally getting in the tune here, getting in the rhythm of listening. And for me, it's listening and talking at the same time. <laughs> okay. God has been orchestrating our understanding to position us to live on the other side of the veil. Mm-hmm. I asked you about the origins of a, of a prophetic word. Is there a responsibility for the recipient to bring it to pass? Hmm. Recently, I heard, so this isn't real recent, but it will come to your memory quite quickly. I heard a prophetic word that somebody shared via social media and how God had confirmed the word through a friend's dream. They offered the interpretation which involved a bent on a particular national pastime. The bent would be a divine sign that God was bringing a breakthrough to a specific group and answering an obvious concern. I'm not in disagreement with their desired response to prayer. Not at all. No, I'm not talking about the current political race. No, this was before that, right? No. Let me see. Where's my notes? 
I'm not talking about the current political race, though some of my thoughts could benefit many in my in that venue. So this particular prophetic word that I am talking about here, I read and it gagged and it stuck in my craw for about 36 hours after reading it. Yep, I saw it on social media. I went, huh? Uh, really? It just kind of stuck there. And then it had the interpretation and it had a confirmation, right? That swayed the outcome of a very significant event. Well, this prominent team that many people have held in their hearts for generations, its bent and influence was opposite from my desire. I found myself asking questions. Yeah, I ask questions of me all the time. So what did I think about that? What did I think about the prophetic word? Its interpretation and its confirmation. Hmm. Am I going to do anything about it? Hmm. Is it my place to do anything about it? Are my desires necessarily self-centered or are they rightly divided? Do I think that I heard from God? Is this God talking to me? Well, why is this irritating me so much? Well, I gave up the struggle this morning during my quiet time with the Lord. Lord, you obviously want me to respond here. And in the language of the season, I call this a mandate. <laughs> now it's a later, it's a little bit later of time, right? It has been a few months since the whirlwind of the world series. Yes, I am a Cubs fan, so that dates us, right? That's when this was book was written, and that is when, even months before that, that this particular encounter I am writing about is transpiring, okay? A Cubs fan, Chicago Cubs, all right? So yay, Chicago Cubs. We are a baseball family. I love baseball. So I thought it was time to pick up this word again and share just what I experienced from my neck of the woods. I believe that there are lessons to learn here and much to ponder. So that is the reason why I shared it in my book. And here I am talking to you live again about it. We have something to learn today. The original prophetic word I saw was posted on Facebook in due season with a string of comments, interpretations, and agreements from friends. Yep, all the prophetic bells and whistles. There was the declarations that the Cubs, they weren't going to win. That, that's what the outcome was, that the Cubs weren't going to win. That is what God's will was at hand, and it was a sign that breakthrough would occur regarding another national concern. I did struggle with this for a couple of days. Jeez, ah, yep. And it's, you know, it's just a sporting event. I have nothing to gain or lose by the outcome. Hmm, all good questions. It would greatly bless my husband and his family, who are Chicagoans. He grew up there. And, um, hmm, and if I remember right, 
mm, it festered inside of me through another series game beforehand. Yeah, it's just like, there it was. And I could remember this prophetic word. I went, I don't know, God. So, and this particular um, series game, one of the Cubs had lost before. I brought it to my prayer closet. It's kind of like, okay, let's go do something. So, Father, I'm not okay with the Cubs not winning. So, I stepped into heaven beyond the veil and sat at my table of communion with the Godhead. Jesus looked at me and then asked a question. He is always asking me questions. Is the prophetic word seated in heaven? Hmm. I responded by saying, I didn't know. Jesus then asked another great question. What do you suppose is written on each of the team's scrolls? Meaning each one of the teams, definitely they have books and scrolls written about the players and the individuals and all of that. Yep. Heaven's into all of that stuff, right? Well, I thought you were a good God and I believe the best and the desire the best for all that are called according to your purpose. I think that winning the World Series is written on both their scrolls. Jesus said, you are right. <laughs> Yay! That is my heart on the manor. So I asked, what should I do next? Now that you know my will, confirming it being seated or has an agreement with my will, go see if any accusations exist that would hinder the outcome. Ha ha, now we're getting to it here, right? So I responded, I can do that, Lord. And if you know anything at all about baseball, you would be aware that the Chicago Cubs had a few hindrances, even in the natural realm, that stuck out like a sore toe. Yes, they have not won a World Series in 108 years. And yes, Lord, I have learned how to take care of curses and all that stuff. Yep, I have. I did a little, little research that morning on what I could find in the natural. Yes, that crazy goat thing too. Oh my goodness, the things that people do. You'd be amazed at the insane, insane things that people... Okay, turning the page here, have done to break off the goofy things. Yes, so they would win, right? Ah. So what I did, I repented of all the witchcraft, the manipulation, and the list went on and on. I think you get my drift here because I carried the welfare of the team in my heart, the blessing that it would be to my husband, the blessing it would be to the city of Chicago. I had found the heart valve that gave me the authority to bring it to his throne, a confirmed mandate discussed with the Godhead. Yep. Protocols and activations. Okay. You can take notes on this one. <laughs> I follow protocol like this upon stepping into heaven. First, I offered myself as a living sacrifice. Then, 
I make sure my personal issues get cleaned up first. Yes, big note there. You always want to make sure that your heart is clean before the Lord, before you take on an assignment, okay? Then make sure to ask the Father if I genuinely have a mandate or an assignment to legislate on this behalf. You have to make sure, right? So then I went to the court of accusations with my list of grievances in hand, the ones that I had researched and I knew about personally regarding the Chicago Cubs. I honored the court. I asked Father to call forth into the courtroom every enemy bound and gagged who holds legal documents against the Chicago Cubs baseball team. Remember, this is in the spirit. This is in heaven. I then agreed with every accusation presented and I repented, asked for forgiveness as guilty. Yep. I stood in their place and repented as if it were me. Mm Mm-hmm. I asked for a judgment first against my heart so that my heart was clean. And then I asked for a judgment against the enemies. I asked for justice to be served and I received a document. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. I applied his blood and I broke the agreement with everything which now is covered with his blood. I took the document to be recorded in the court of scribes. I asked for angelic assignment in the court of angels, and I released the angels. I decreed it from my mountain. That was my personal authority. Hmm. And you guessed it. They won. Ooh, yeah, they won. By the hair of their chinny chin chins, but they did win. My husband didn't even know. Nope, Don didn't even know that I did this. His family, nobody knew that I did this. It was just between me and God and... Yeah, nobody knew that this transpired. Well, everybody knows now because of the book, and now I'm talking about it again. But we're here to learn, right? Okay. Yay. My husband didn't even know that the Lord and I had something to say about this. Again, I had nothing to gain by their win, but I was very encouraged. Yep. I'm also sure that I was not the only one praying for the Chicago Cubs. What I learned in this instance was always to ask God, go look into heaven's perspective on things. Is it seated? Is it seated? When we get a prophetic word, is it coming from the throne of God? Meaning that God's word has been spoken, agreed on, just like all of my my protocols here, that those things have transpired before it's released and brought through the voice to the earth, okay? You know, we should really do the same thing for things with a little bit higher importance, like our prophetic words, concerns regarding our families and community. It is God's goodness apparently written about each of us. Heaven only withholds secrets from misdirected hearts. Mm -hmm. Then grace kicks in. Ask the question, are there any accusations or enemies that need putting in their place? Remember, it is his good pleasure to give you the keys to the kingdom. And those keys are for heavenly doors. Hmm. He loves being a righteous judge on behalf of his kids. 
absolutely loves being a righteous judge. I love coming before him and knowing him as a righteous judge. God always judges to life. Everything is life, 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 right? So I'll reinstate my questions. What is the origin of a prophetic word? I learned that the source, not only of the Chicago Cubs, but for the Indians as well. Winning the World Series is seated in heavenly places with the Father's agreement for both teams. Is there a responsibility for the recipient to bring it to pass? Yes. Zechariah 3 says... This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. What an honor it is to have charge and take charge of his courts. And in this case today, (laughs) the rest of the world may never know that in Corvallis, Oregon, a baseball mom helped to change history. Go Cubs, right? (laughs) Oh, Yeah, I thought about that last week, whether I was going to share that with you. And, but no, no, it just kept sitting and thinking about it. And I went, you know, it is such a perfect example of Seated in heavenly places. Seated means seating on a throne, uh, ruling and reigning as a royal priesthood, kings and priests before God, right? That is what we do. So let me run through those protocols again, just so that you can hear them. They are an example. Mm -hmm. So they are an example. I followed a protocol, all right? Meaning, what do I mean by protocol? I have learned to address these matters in a familiar order, okay? So first, I offered myself as a living sacrifice. Then I made sure that my personal stuff was cleaned up. So it's whenever you pray, whenever you ascend on behalf of a situation or a person or a community or... Something in the world, you always make sure that your heart is pure before him. Always, just always, always, always. So I asked the father if I genuinely had a mandate to legislate this on. So means that he has given me permission to actually do something about it. So many times, like if there's a weather, bad weather systems that's that's bothering a portion of the world and, you know, our hearts go out in great compassion for what's going on, I will ask God, did you want me to do something about that? And it's yes or no. Or sometimes he just says, yep, do something. Or sometimes he says, nope, I've got it covered elsewhere. And that's what it means. You just want always want the Lord's word to say, yep, this is your assignment. I want you to be responsible for it. Okay. So then I went to the court of accusations with my list of grievances. So um, things that I had been told, things that I knew, and also the research that I found. Okay. I honored the court. I honored the court. I honored God. I honored all the witnesses that were there. Mm -hmm. I asked 
father to call forth into the courtroom every enemy bound and gagged who held a legal document against the um, Chicago Cubs baseball team, right? I agreed. Then I agreed as if it were me. Yep, it's just like I stood in the place. I agreed with every accusation that was presented and I asked for forgiveness, which created the repentance, right? The the turn, the connection, the be connected, the um, to move hindrances out the way, the 360 or the 180, right? That is what the repentance is. It's turn your face and look at God. Yeah. Be connected. Yay, yay, yay. Then I asked for judgment against the enemies. I asked for justice to be served and I received a document. So justice never comes about before there's a judgment. Yes, I'll say that again. Justice doesn't occur before there is a judgment. You know, when you forgive somebody that produces a judgment, it's a good one. So if I forgive If my husband and I have a disagreement and we have words and I forgive, right? What that does is that judges those words or the emotions that judges them null and void right then and there. No matter what his response is in, it's just, I forgive. I choose to forgive and it creates a judgment because of the blood of Jesus, because Jesus said for us to forgive one another. So that forgiveness caused a judgment that produced justice. And the justice comes around, say, you know, if we had argument, I went and I forgave. I maybe asked him for forgiveness. What that does is that justice comes in and it reconnects our hearts. It's good stuff. Yep. So I thank Jesus for his blood. I applied his blood and I broke the agreement with everything which now was covered in the blood of Jesus. I took that document to be recorded to the court of scribes. Then I asked angelic assignment in the court of angels. I released the angels and I decreed it from my mountain top. Yep. That was my personal authority to be there, do this, and to respond on behalf of God. So remember, just a reminder here, heaven is not about perfection. It was not about pattern or earthly rule at all. Authority comes from relationship of the heart. Mm -hmm. So remember, the activations are available Obviously, it's written in the unfinished book, and the notes are and of this episode are shared with my patron subscribers. I invite you to subscribe, and I appreciate you for supporting and encourage me. Links are always provided within the episode description, and I thank you so much. It's very encouraging, very encouraging when you come along and you partner with me. So I invite you. Thank you. I also want to remind you to claim your free gift. Some of you go, oh, that's right. I forgot, Kristen. Thank you for reminding me. So from episode number 43, Giving Up on Being Perfect, I created a special private video just for you podcast listeners. That's you. 
and I shared a cup of tea with you from my home. It's very off the cuff. It's unscripted. And there's a free gift there. And it's a special way that I desire. I go, I want to connect with you. Amen. Okay. So you can find that link here too. So on my Instagram account, This week, I have been sharing about love languages. Yes, I'm going to tie these together. Love Language was written by Gary Chapman. It's a mandatory to have for your self-care library. Mandatory, mandatory. If you have never read that book, I really encourage you to find it. You can probably go to your local used bookstore. It's been out for a while, and they will have it for you there. Or you can order it brand new from all of your bookstore vendors. So I've been talking about, well, my posts this week have been focused on acts of service from the five love languages. So in terms of acts of service, that is an, regarding intimate relationships, and it's a language that can be best described as doing something for your partner that you know they would like. Mm-hmm. So if an act, if my husband, what well, actually it is, one of his love languages is acts of service. And so when I do something for him, he kind of like, he, we finished dinner this evening and he kind of looks at me and goes, hmm, is there anything for dessert? He, he always, hmm, it's always a ho and um, instead of a direct question, no, because he wants me to serve him because that's his love language. And so I went and got him a bowl of ice cream and then, okay. And then he just sets it up. So this really happened, right? And so then he's sitting there with our dog Dash. And he's, oh, I don't know what he's watching on television. And then all of a sudden he goes, hmm, it's, it's kind of cold in here. <laughs> I've been married to him for 36 years. Yep. And remember, love language, acts of service. So what I have to do right there, it's in the ottoman right under his feet. I opened the ottoman, got him a blanket and covered him up. Yep. And that makes him feel loved. Yeah, I know. Do yours do that too? If your husband is acts of service, do they like drop these hints and hmm, okay, I'm moving on, right? So again, it best describes as doing something for your partner that you know they would like. (laughs) When you give acts of service, you give up your time. This is a nonverbal form of love. It can be a time-consuming and exhausting. Mm -hmm. I consider them in the expensive category, right? But if it's what your partner leads, then it's absolutely worth it. And God calls us to attend to our loved ones and to attend to his body, right? And that's where this chapter, Tools of Responsibility, gets its focused, right? So I have shared live examples of court cases. And in court cases, we might identify as like intercessory prayer. But this is ascended prayer, which drives the arrow because we're hitting the mark. It drives the arrow, the arrow and it hits the mark. And I've shared with you and I found myself standing in for the corporate body of Christ via dealing with my own stuff. Like um, if I have a lie bust 
or if I go to the courts of heaven or I ask somebody to help me, um, I find myself, I go, oh, this is probably bigger than just me. So you could call this an act of service. Again, doing something for your partner, for your family, for um, a member of your family, a friend that you know that they would like to help them, assist them, right? So who here totally appreciates when a friend just randomly texts you and says they were praying for you? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? So the episodes that I'm that I've already shared with you, they have the same type of activations that we talked about today that I read about today. And those activations are number 40, a devil in my dreams, number 38, shift now, powered by change, and number eight, brave. It's a sensitive topic. So those three episodes have definite court cases that I shared with you. You will be blessed. You will learn, use them and as tools and go step in, right? So access service then and now they serve us as a witness tool and we can apply that to our own lives. Amen. So utilize your strength on behalf of others. So Let's kind of bring this all together today because we've talked about a lot. We talked about the Chicago Cubs. We talked about a court case. We have activations and we talked about active service, right? So the Chicago Cubs, they obviously didn't ask me to pray or deal with their less than attractive stuff. Nope. But I knew it would bless my husband and his family. God had graciously taught me how to take aim against the enemy and focus on the desired outcome. Yep, that I did know how to do. So we have learned there are always a higher purpose to the keys that God puts in our hands. Always. So the way to write is to throw your body at the mark when all the arrows are spent. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Let me let me share that again from the way that I can actually feel it moving. So the way to write is to throw your body at the mark when all your arrows are spent. Who would have guessed it that I would share this testimony from the unfinished book with you live today? So I threw my body forward in the same direction I had sent the arrows. Mm -hmm. I threw my body forward by writing it. I threw my body forward by believing it. I'm throwing my body forward by sharing it with you because I'm sending forth the arrows of victory and overcoming. Got it? Now let me read the quote again. The way to ride it is to throw your body at the mark when all your arrows are spent. So there's nothing left in you, quiver, so you throw you. (laughs) Okay, life application. You will learn more about heaven a hundred times over by being willing, even though you may feel unequal to the task. Mm -hmm. Bravery in who the Lord is. 
Yep. You will learn a hundred times more and faster and quicker by just saying, um, yes, Lord, I can do that. And just believe him to teach you, show you and lead you. Just, just go, go and do and believe and sit in his love and his goodness. Uh huh. <laughs> you will learn a hundred times more by being willing. Yep, even though we may feel unequal to the task, bravery in who the Lord is. 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. David said to the Philistines, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day, the day is the Lord. He will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. In life, it's never the big battles. It's never the big moments or the big speeches or the big election. That does not change things. What changes things in every day is getting up and rendering small acts of service and love. Beyond that, what's expected of you or required of you. I'm going to read that again. That is a wonderful quote by Cory Booker. You ready? In life, it's never a big battle. It's never the big moment or the big speech or the big election. Mm -mm. That doesn't change things. What changes things is every day getting up and rendering small acts of service and love beyond what's expected of you or required of you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can feel that one and it is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Father God, I thank you for teaching us your ways. And we thank you for your ways are higher. And that's why Jesus rent the veil so that we could come up here and be seated in those high places and learn your ways and be taught of you. I thank you for helping us to listen to the small things, to tune into the Spirit, and to bravely go where no man has gone before. We are not just no man. We are God's kids, anointed and appointed, and we are hitting the mark. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I'm blessed to be with you. Be sure to check out my links. I love it when listeners connect. You are awesome. I believe in you. I do. And this is wonderful. Mm, I can just feel the presence of the Lord and could keep talking. 
but that's what next week is for, right? Thank you. I believe in you. Have a great rest of your day. Till next week, I'll see ya. Bye now. <laughs>